All right, take your Bibles, please, and we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 1. We're continuing where we left off a few weeks ago. Um, we're in 1 Peter 1, starting at verse number 17. So when you find your place, why don't we stand together? And we're going to read the word. It's good to have some new families in the church. God bless you. Good to have you here. And uh, good to have everyone here, as a matter of fact. So 1 Peter chapter 1, starting at verse number 17. Everyone with me? If you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and your hope are in God. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for this service. Thank you for everything that's happened up until this point. But Lord, now it's time for our dinner. It's time for the word of God. We pray, Lord, I pray, Lord, you'll anoint me. Let me preach this the way you want it to be preached. Help my throat to be clear and uh, let my words be clear. Let my mind and spirit be clear as I proclaim your word today. And Lord, let your word fall upon ears that want to hear and apply your word to our lives. Bless those on the live stream. Bless those here. Bless those that will listen to this sometime in the future through social media. But Lord, use it all for your glory and for the church's edification. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. You may be seated. So uh, two weeks ago, uh, we were in verses 13 through 16. If you just look back to verse 13, uh, that message was entitled, Holiness, Our Reasonable Service. But in verse 13, just to paraphrase what Peter is saying there, he's speaking very frankly, as he often does. He's saying, get your head in the game. Gird up your loins, is what he said. But what he meant was, get your head in the game. Depend upon God's grace 100%. Don't go back to your old life, your old lifestyle, and live in holiness. So holiness, as we said at that time, is, is, um, is living differently than how we used to live. Uh, we, we don't flow with the flow of the world, the world's values and morals and trends. Uh, verses 15 and 16, be holy in all your conduct. You know, be holy, verse 16, for I am holy, says the Lord. And so we talked a little bit about Peter's life change. Uh, many of us know Peter's lifestyle from reading about him in the Gospels. In fact, last Sunday, Brenna mentioned him. I don't know if you caught that, but she mentioned him a little bit as, as Peter is someone who basically kind of represents all of us because we all kind of speak out of turn or get upset about something or do something we're sorry for later. But we saw Peter's life uh, begin to change as he got older as he got more mature in Christ. He became, instead of being so judgmental and opinionated, he became more pensive and thoughtful. 
We saw this, how he called out Ananias and Sapphira when they had lied to the Holy Spirit. He was using the, the gift of discernment to know they're lying to God about their offering. And he called them out on that. We also saw him uh, bravely uh, accepting the rebuke from Brother Paul that corrected him, corrected Peter, because of his hypocrisy, basically, and how he was dealing or not dealing with the Gentile believers in front of the Jewish believers that were visiting where he was at that time. So Peter was growing uh, in his faith, growing in his holiness. And I really think it, it's a good example that None of us have arrived yet, but we're, we're in motion getting there, hopefully. Hopefully this year we're better than we were last year. And, and last year we were better than the year before and so forth. And next year we'll even get more like Jesus, live more like Jesus. So uh, continuing with uh, that chapter, chapter 1, we see verses 17 through 21. Uh, we see some verses that tell us, uh, why we should live a holy life. What would prompt us to live a holy life? Why would we desire to live a holy life? Now, I think most of you probably know that in Christendom today, there's a strand of Christianity that says you don't even have to change your lifestyle. You can just accept Jesus and live the way you want to live, and so be it. Say la vie. Uh, but really, that's not the biblical way to live. Um, we're talking about living a holy life. And let me just tr try to set the stage. Living a holy life is not living a grumpy life. Can I get an amen right there? Amen. You know, being holy doesn't mean you have to be grumpy. Amen. Although sometimes when I fast, I'm grumpy because, you know, I'm hungry, but that's different. But, you know, uh, holiness does not mean no fun, does not mean legalistic, does not mean no life. In fact, some Christians, I don't know so much about now, I guess it's still happening, but there used to be a holiness movement where people were concerned about how they dressed. Men weren't allowed to have mustaches and beards, in fact. Women had to wear, uh, had to wear dresses and had to wear their hair down and not wear earrings or something. As, as though that was going to say that they were holy people. Who knows what they did behind closed doors, but they looked holy. But we're talking about holiness means having a full life. Amen. Having a good life. Having a clean life. An open book life. Where the joy of the Lord is our strength. We enjoy the life that God has given to us. It's not how we look, what we wear. It's not even what worship music we have on Pandora or whatever. It's a lifestyle. And as much as I love worship, and you know I'm a worshiper. I'm a guitar player. I love to sing. And I relate. I get it. I get the whole music movement. I'm in it. However... If that's all we do, that's not enough. Because Monday morning is going to come where there won't be a worship team or whatever. We need to live a lifestyle that gives God glory and honor and praise. And that is holiness. So real, real quickly, I don't, want to, I don't want to spill the beans too quickly here, but look at verse 17. There's one main reason why we should live a holy life. We're going to get into it in a minute. Paraphrase verse 17. We live a holy life because one day... God's going to judge us for how we lived our life after salvation. Now, if, you're, if you've been asleep till right now, that ought to wake you up. Because that's a heavy statement. I wish that wasn't in there, but it's in there. God, our Father, will judge us 
based on how we live our life. It's not a judgment to salvation. It's a judgment for what we've done with our salvation. And then verse number 19, we read that we've been redeemed by the precious. Can't emphasize the word precious enough, but the precious blood of Jesus. And our response to what he did is a life of holiness and submission and sanctification to the Lord. We used to sing a song called, My life is in you, Lord. My hope is in you, Lord. My strength is in you, Lord. We used to sing another song from Acts 17, 28. It's in him that we live and move and have our being. So make a joyful noise unto the Lord. So holiness really is a response to what he's done for us. So we're going to go through this verse by verse like we do, 17 through 21, five verses. And then I'm going to give you five reasons why we should live a holy life. I've entitled the message today, Why Holy? Why Holy? So let's go to verse 17. Oh, I wanted to read this from the message translation. Um, Let's see. If you have a NIV, a verse number 17 or some other translation, I use New King James. It says, mine says, if you call on the Father. Some say, since you call on the Father. Let me read how the message says it. <clears throat> 1 Peter 1.17. You call out to God for help, and he helps. He's a good father that way. But don't forget, he's also a responsible father and won't let you get away with sloppy living. So if anyone's been in that category, I mean, I have to say, I've been in that sloppy living, you know, it's never good. It's never comfortable because you can't enjoy it because you feel convicted. <laughs> and, and you have to get right and, and then you get right and then you're sorry you did what you did. But he doesn't, he doesn't let us off the hook, you know. <coughs> sorry. Okay, so verse 17. Since we call upon the Father... Uh, since we call, so that, paraphrasing that, since we have a relationship, since we, you know, we call upon God, we pray, we seek God, we, we pursue God, we're, we're his child, we have a relationship. That's what that means. Since we call upon the Father, uh, at the end of that verse says, we live in, 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 in fear, but that word really needs to be explained, as you probably know. It doesn't mean we cower. It means we totally respect God. We, we, we have a holy awe. Some translations say holy awe or holy reverence for God. And, and, and because we have this relationship with God, we're, we're living like, we, we live like, you know, we're going to be accountable to God one day. Because in verse 17, he will judge our behavior. And someone's going to say, but wait a minute, I, I, I thought that, we were free from that judgment because we're saved. We are. We're not being judged for salvation here. We're already saved. We're good. We're going to heaven. We're being judged for what we've done with our salvation since we've, you know, since we've been saved. So, uh, and it's a judgment of rewards or lack of rewards. I want to talk about this for a minute because this is a very important subject. And I, I have to tell you, I haven't, preached on this in a long time. I never hear anybody even talk about it anymore. It's more or less, get saved, do what you do, and I'll see you in heaven. And your life is just what it is. But the Lord is saying, you know what? Your life now really, really matters. 
and you will be held, I don't want to sound too strong on this, but you know, as I say this to you, I'm saying it to me, we will be held accountable before God for what we've done with this precious gift of salvation. Now, I don't want to be too heavy on it because there's always grace. There's always confession and you know, repentance. It's always there. But overall, this is, an, this is like a gray area for a lot of people. We don't really think about it. But anyway, verse 17 says, Since you call on your Father who without partiality judges according to each one's work, I don't know this to be a fact, but I have a feeling maybe Peter was having a little bit of a flashback of an episode about 30 years before when Zebedee's wife, the, son, the, the mother of John and James, who were two other apostles, partners with Peter and Andrew in the fishing business, Zebedee's wife comes to Jesus in Matthew 20 and says, Hey, Jesus, got a special favor to ask of you. When you get to your kingdom on the other side, will you remember my two sons? Let one sit on the right and one sit on the left. Show them a little favoritism. And Jesus said, a paraphrase, Woman, there's no way in the world that's going to happen. Only the Father knows who gets to sit where they're going to sit. But if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, you got to become a servant. If you want to be first, you got to become last. And all the other apostles, and Peter was one of the others, were all upset at Zebedee's wife for even bringing this up to Jesus in the first place. But I have a feeling when he says the Father judges without partiality, he might be thinking about the lesson that Jesus taught him. Everyone is equal in God's eyes. Nobody's, well, let me put it this way, we're all special, but we'll all be held accountable. And he says, uh, you know, uh, you'll be judged according to each one's work, so conduct yourself at this time in fear. Let, let's talk about this. All right? Let, if you're writing notes, you could write this down or listen to it later and, and look at it. But Romans 8.1 says very clearly, Romans 8.1, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So this has nothing to do with our salvation. We're saved, we're good, we're going to heaven. However, 2 Corinthians 5.10 says this, We all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each would receive the things done in the body according to what was done, either good or bad. Now that, that phrase, judgment seat of Christ, in the Greek it's, it, it talks about, the, it, it explains the bima seat. Let me explain what a bima seat is. Everyone knows a sporting event, um, I don't think they have referees on the top of the stadiums in the NFL. Maybe they do. But anyway, what this means is in a sporting event, there would be a raised platform on the side where a judge would sit. Like, like me. I'm, I'm, I'm above all of you now. I'm, I'm the judge. And I'm looking down. And what they did was they would make sure everybody played the game the right way. No one broke the rules. They played by the rules. So if someone was doing something wrong, he would probably flag them or whatever and say, no, 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 he's disqualified. But the judge would make sure everyone was doing it the right way. And then when they were finished, he would award the, 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 the prize or the, the, you know, the, the, victory, uh, the victory plaque or whatever. So, but, but the point is, we all must stand before this bema seat of Christ. Romans 14.10 says, uh, we shall all stand before this bema seat and give an account of ourselves to God. That, that shakes me a little bit. 
you know, I, I see it in the word, but it shakes me a little bit because you know what? I haven't been a hundred percent all the time. I don't know about you. There have been some times in my life I wish I did better with things. 1 Corinthians 3.10 says, paraphrasing, our works will be tested by fire to see if they would stand up to God's standard, whether good or bad. If they're good, we get a reward. If they're bad, we lose a reward, but we don't lose our salvation. It says it very clearly. So verse 17, uh, just to paraphrase, live a holy life because your father will judge you and live in holy reverence to God because whatever you do with your salvation, as great as your gift of salvation is, you're responsible for what you do with it now. And good morning, everybody. Isn't that good news for you? I hope that it is. I hope it's motivation. Because this is coming off of verses 15 and 16. Be holy in all your conduct, for I am holy. Be holy like me. Okay, well, why? Okay, because one day we're going to be evaluated. Verse number one talks about how he's writing to the pilgrims. And we're the pilgrims just passing through this life. Okay, verse 18 uh, verse 18 gives us the motivation to live in verse 17. Are you with me, church? In other words, verse 17 is a little heavy for me, to be honest with you. But verse 18 tells me the reason why we need to live in verse 17. We need to know. We need to know, 100% sure, we're not redeemed by earthly things, temporary things, corruptible things like silver or gold. We're not redeemed, and some of us have been down this road by our education, our money, our family, or whatever, our successes, whatever. We're not saved by any of that. We're saved by a very distinct thing. And it says we're saved from our aimless conduct that we, and, and th that which we've received by, from the tradition from our fathers. In other words, if you were Jewish... The law is not going to save you. If you were a Gentile, a heathen, your heathen religious practices weren't going to save you. But you're, you're delivered, you're made right by something else besides something that could, be, that, could be, uh, that could disintegrate or be less than. He's saying you're redeemed by something deeper, stronger, more personal that's life-changing. And this is a message, you know, I don't know. I, I, I came across this path. I knew we were going to be preaching from this. But Lord, it's, it's the blood of Jesus. It's, it's everything. But yet, in my mind, I have to be honest with you, my heart said, nobody wants to hear it anymore. But we have to hear it. And it's got to be heard in the church. Listen, you may, you may do great things. I hope you all do. We may do great things as a church. I hope we do great things for the kingdom. But it's only because God has had mercy on us, forgiven us our sins, empowered us with his Holy Spirit. It all started at the cross when we realized the blood was for me. That's the beginning of our walk. So verse number uh, 19, knowing you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. I think Peter, again, is thinking back to his own experience. If you know the story of of Calvary when Jesus died on the cross. All the apostles ran away. All the ladies that were following, they all ran away. The crowds all kind of held back. John was there close by and married a few ladies. But it says in Luke 23, 
that all the others, the apostles, all the others that ran away were watching from a distance what was going on on Golgotha. They were observing this man on the cross, the pain, the suffering, the yelling, the screaming, the whipping, the beating. They were watching it from a distance. I think Peter might be referring to this. I, like he, I could picture him saying, I know I'm not redeemed by my own goodness or by the law or being Jewish or whatever. I remember what Jesus went through. I saw him. I was not brave enough to be there like John, but I saw him from a distance. He died for me. His blood was poured out for me. And he's, he's very clearly saying, we're not redeemed by the things that, that disintegrate, but we're redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ as of a lamb. Now, this is very important. As of a lamb without blemish or spot. That is so symbolic and uh, so, I don't know what the word is, indicative of Old Testament fulfillment. Exodus 12, you know the story. The death angel was coming. The Lord said, get, get a perfect lamb without spot or blemish. Get the lamb, kill the lamb. Get the blood of the lamb, put it over your doorpost on the, on the floor. And the death angel will pass over you. That's where they get the word Passover. Okay. Several hundred thousand years later, John the Baptist. Behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He's calling Jesus the lamb of God. Isaiah 53, we read this. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. He opened not his mouth as led as a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. We see in Acts 20, 28, that God purchased his church with his own blood. We see in Ephesians 1, 7, it's in him that we have redemption through the blood, the forgiveness of sins. I was thinking about this, and you know what? We could preach a lot of different things. You could preach a lot of things from the Word of God. There's a million topics to choose from. But if we get away from the blood of Jesus, church, we have missed the mark. And I don't care how, how long you've heard it, how, how long it's been a part of your thinking, the blood of Christ is essential in our Christian faith. It's the blood of Jesus. It's not ever our works or our accomplishments. And further, he goes on in verse number 20. This is so this is so good. He says, he indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world. This is amazing to me. This whole thing, the Jesus coming and dying on the cross, it was all foreordained before the foundation of the world. We'll see in Genesis 1, God created everything. But in, in that creation of everything, in the back of God's mind, I wrote it down like this, in God's mind, knowing beforehand what would have to be done to redeem fallen humanity, he put this plan into motion. At first it was hidden. Kind of secrecy, like prophecies. and those, One's going to come, one's going to come. Well, Jesus came, was born, lived, died, Lived his life. Prophecies fulfilled. Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit was poured out. 3,000 people got saved. Souls being saved ever since. Jesus said in John 12, 32, he said, if I be lifted up from the earth, meaning if I be put on the cross and be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. And that all came to fruition in Acts 2, 41, when 3,000 people accepted Jesus and 3,000 were baptized that day. And we've been, we've been seeing people get saved and baptized ever since. 
But this was foreordained. It was God's plan from the very beginning. And there's there, then verse 21. It says, uh, he was manifesting these last times for you, who through him, through Jesus, you believe in God, who raised Jesus from the dead and gave him glory. Remember in Philippians 2, he left glory and came to earth. And then he went back to glory. God gave him the glory back so that our faith and our hope would be in God, not in our own achievements or accomplishments. Amen. So this is, this is like, man, I keep saying Peter the fisherman really came around on this one. He, this is deep. This, you know, scholars take you know, time to dissect all this, what I just, what we just went through. So the question I pose to the church, those online today, hope you're with us online. Why holy? Because there's part of me that says, I just want to live my life. I know I received Jesus, but I just want to, you know, I just want to do my thing. You know, I want to be happy. I want to be selfish. I want to be me. And the Lord is reminding me all the time, no, 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 you can't be you anymore. You belong to me. So if you want to follow me, pick up your cross and come after me. But deny yourself. So, but why, why holy? I, I want to give you five things here. And I, uh, these aren't long. So we'd be here forever. But if you need more, let me know. <laughs> five reasons why holy. Why holy? Number one is this. The word of God says to be. Verses 15 and 16, you know, two weeks ago. Be holy in all your conduct. Lord, can I just keep a little bit to myself? No. Be holy, for I am holy. I have to be like you. Yeah, aspire to. If you mess up, repent and confess your sin and get back on the, on the treadmill. Figure it out. Keep going. Two weeks ago, I shared scriptures from Leviticus 11, Leviticus 19, Leviticus 20. All say the same thing. Be holy, for I am holy. It's like a thing that God has put out there for his people. I've redeemed you. Be holy, for I am holy. Run after me. Be holy. Be, be submitted. Be a holy person. So above everything else, the word of God says to be holy. Now, John 14, 15, Jesus said something that sends shivers down our spine. But he said, if you love me, everybody, I could just picture Jesus. Everyone says they, they love me. But if, if you love me, You'll keep my commandments. Well, the commandment is to be holy. But I don't want to be holy. But I do love you, Lord. Well, Lord, help me to be holy. The word demands it. Remember, holiness, we're not talking about specific things. We're talking about a lifestyle that pleases God. We're talking about recognizing sin, avoiding it, confessing it if we have to, forsaking it. We're talking about being set apart, sanctified, Striving for what is morally pure, saying yes to God and no to our flesh. I know a lot of times we blame everything on the devil. There's a place for that. But a lot of times, you know what, church? It's our own flesh. Forget about the devil. It's just the way we are. We're bad enough without the devil. We're worse with the devil. You know what I mean? Like, like we have these issues. The devil has nothing to do with it a lot of times. It's just our flesh. But the Lord is calling us as his people to be a holy people. And again, it's not a list of do's and don'ts because you may look holy. 
I don't know. I can't judge everybody. I don't want to. But God knows our heart. He knows if we're holy or not. So this is personal. Here's number two. Why holy? Number two is the Bema seat. B-E-M-A. Let, let, turn with me, will you please? Second, I want you to see this in your Bible or your app or whatever you have. Second Corinthians 5.10. Then we're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. But 2 Corinthians 5.10. I want you to see this in your Bible. <clears throat> Are we there yet? I don't want to be accused of going too fast again. Uh, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. The judgment seat is the Bema seat. Remember, the judge is not, not judging us to salvation. We're in. We're saved. We're good. He's judging us for how we play the game, more or less. <clears throat> that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. We don't want to, I don't want to get into the crowns and the rewards and all that, but all that is kind of related to this. <clears throat> Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. <clears throat> this is a little bit a little bit more detailed, but same topic. 1, 1 Corinthians 3, uh, verse 10. <clears throat> According to the grace of... Are we there yet? I don't want to go too fast and be accused of going too fast again. Okay. Oh, I just said that, didn't I? Sorry. Okay. 1 Corinthians three ten. According to the grace of God, which was given to me, as a wise master builder. This is Paul speaking. He's, he's speaking like, uh, you know, what's the word? Uh, creatively. Uh, you know, he, he's the builder of people's lives because he preaches the gospel. I've laid the foundation. Another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. Meaning, let each one think about how you're building your Christian life. No other foundation can anyone lay that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation, this is all like symbolic, gold, silver, precious stones. These are things that don't burn up easily or wood, hay and straw that burns up in a second. Each one's work will become clear. For the day with a capital D, when Jesus comes back, will declare it because it will be revealed with fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he'll receive a reward. This is apart from salvation. Are you with me, church? This is like, we're talking about heaven, uh, heaven, uh, heaven practices, you could say. Uh, if, verse 15, if anyone's work is burned, listen to this, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved yet so as through fire. So it's a situation where the Bema seat will determine if we get a reward or we don't get a reward. Either we, we gain something or we don't gain something. And it's all under the evaluation of Jesus who is the righteous judge. Isn't that interesting? Evaluation, rewards or loss of rewards, crowns, recognition, etc. Okay, so... We have two, right? Number three is this. Why holy? <clears throat> I want to talk about the value of the cross. The value of the cross. It's immensely valuable. 
is more precious than gold and silver, is more precious than reputation and success, is more precious than family traditions. And for some people, that's an issue, but it is. The value of the cross, the value of the blood demands a response of holiness and return. And remember, holiness is not grumpiness. Holiness is goodness. Holiness is joy. Holiness is living God's way, which is the best way. I I have in my Bible, I, I just want to read this. It's on page 82 of my biblical cyclopedic index. I'll put a snapshot on Facebook later maybe, but it says regarding the blood of Christ, it's described as innocent, Matthew 27, 4. Precious, 1 Peter 1, 19. Necessary, Hebrews 9, 22. Sufficient, Hebrews 9, 13. Final, Hebrews 9, 24. Cleansing, 1 John 1, 7. And conquering, Revelation 12, 11. The blood of Jesus. It also says that the blood of Jesus uh, the basis is the basis of the blood of Jesus is the basis of reconciliation, Ephesians 2.13. Redemption, Romans 3.24. Justification, Romans 5.9. Sanctification, Hebrews 10.29. Communion, Matthew 6.26. Victory, Revelation 12.11. And eternal life, John 6.53. There's great hymns of the church. Some of us old timers would know if if I were to sing them, but I'll name the titles. Nothing But the Blood of Jesus, written in 1876. Are You Washed in the Blood, written in 1878. There's Power in the Blood, written in 1899. There's a Fountain Filled with Blood, written in 1772. Are You Washed in the Blood, written in 1946. The Blood Will Never Lose Its Power, written by Andre Crouch in 1966. At the cross, love ran red, written by Chris Tomlin in 2014. The blood is crucial. It's valuable. There's nothing like it and nothing will ever replace it. The blood of Jesus. We're saved by the blood. We're healed by the blood. We're made right by the blood. We're redeemed by the blood. We're put in right mind by the blood. Hallelujah. We're forgiven by the blood. We're made new by the blood. We're set free from bondage by the blood of Jesus. Our response to that, you can almost get into a negative thing here, and I want to be careful, but not living a holy life would be disrespectful in spite of all of that. But living a holy life would be the honorable thing to do. And we're not saying perfection. I always say this. We're not saying perfection. None of us will get it right all the time. We're talking about striving for holiness here. Romans 12, 11, uh, 12, 1 and 2 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. And don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may know what that good and perfect, acceptable will of God is for you. So the value of the cross elicits a response of holiness from us. Here's number four. Number four is this. God had a plan all along. Verse number 20. We read it. Um, it says uh, he indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world. Messiah was coming. But but let's listen to this. With Messiah coming, there had to be a people coming too. 
The Messiah was coming for people. So just the Messiah without any people would not, would not be the complete picture. But God had a plan all along to have people living a holy life. I didn't know that when I got saved. I had no clue. I just thought I was getting my head straightened out at, at the moment. But anyway, there was Adam, there was Abel, there was Seth, there was Noah, Abraham, Jacob, and Joseph, and then there was Moses and David. Then Jesus came. This thing was, this thing was blast open for the whole world. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And then the church was birthed. And so God had a plan from the very beginning. The plan of the Messiah had to have included people who would follow the Messiah. If we follow the Messiah, we've got to be a holy people. It was all ordained by God from the very beginning. He's looking for a people. In fact, Peter alludes to this. Look at 1 Peter 2 in verse number, uh, verse number 9 and 10. Right there. 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. His own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Who once were not a people, but now are the people of God who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. How many remember we used to sing that all the time? There's a song with, with that word for word. But we are now a people of God. As such, God foreordained there to be a people of God. When we said yes to Jesus, whenever we did, we got in the army. We got into his family. We are now the holy people of God. And now we need to live, you know, live accordingly to that. Amen. Somebody give me an amen right there. That was, that was important. That was important. Here's the last one. We're going to wrap this up. Why holy? This is a response to our faith and our hope. Look at verse number 21. It says, uh, God raised Jesus from the dead. He gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. We serve a risen Savior. Hallelujah. He's alive. He's called us out of darkness to live in his light. He, he, he has, has redeemed us, fixed us, fixing us still. And so in faith, it's a response to our faith and our hope. In other words, if we just have faith and hope, but don't demonstrate what's going on in our heart, the Lord is saying, hey, what's up with you? Do you get all of this? If you get all of this, you have to at least attempt to live a holy life. Yes. Romans 6, 5 says, if we've been united in his death, we will be united in his resurrection. Romans 6.11 says, we should reckon ourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That new life that we have, we've we got to think differently. We've got to act differently. We've got to let faith arise, let hope arise, and live a different lifestyle than we did before. I say this all the time, especially now because I, with Facebook, I've reconnected with so many old friends from back in the day. They're still scratching their heads saying, what happened to Rick Amendola? I remember that guy. Oh, yeah, he wasn't too cool back then. I got redeemed. That's what happened to me. I got redeemed. And, and so my life, like your life, is not a perfect life, but we're trying. We're trying. Okay, in summary, why faith? Number one, because the word says to be holy. Uh, why holy? Sorry, why holy? Because the word says to be holy. Why, why holy? The beam of seat's coming. 
Why holy? The cross is so valuable. It's got to be respected. For God had a plan of Messiah and Messiah's people. We're part of that plan. Number five, it's a response to our faith and our hope in the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's stand together. I want to read uh, verse number seven, and then I want to ask you some questions. And then we're going to wrap it up, because I'm getting hungry. (laughs) Oh, was that not holy? Sorry. (laughs) I'm hungry for good food. I don't know. Is that no, no junk food? Okay. One Peter one. This is the this is the uh, passion translation. Let's say it together. Since you call on him as your heavenly Father, the, the impartial Judge who judges according to each one's works, live each day with holy awe and reverence throughout your time on earth. I like that translation. Can we say it one more time? Since you call on him as your heavenly father, the impartial judge who judges according to each one's works, live each day with holy awe and reverence throughout your time on earth. Yeah, yeah. Now, let me just say it one more time. This has nothing to do with salvation. This is in addition to salvation. We're saved. We're, we're going to glory. Amen. This is what happens. We get evaluated for how we lived on earth. Every head bowed for just a minute before we pray. Why holy? Why holy? Uh, I, uh, let me just read you what I wrote down. Some of us may need to put a block on our internet to prevent pornography from coming in or and or get some help in that department because pornography is not holy. All right. Some need to get rid of alcohol and recreational drugs. Some need to stop cursing. It's not holy to curse. Stop using the Lord's name in vain. It's not holy. Stop sexual relationships outside of marriage or prior to marriage or in addition to marriage. Some need to stop gossiping, slandering people. Some need to commit to uh, to daily prayer and devotions every day. I have to confess for the first time in a long time, I had a difficult time this past week making time in my day for my daily prayer time. But I I did it, but it was kind of like broken up because of my busyness, which I have to work on. Some some need to commit to Sunday church, Wednesday live stream, Bible study, Sunday night prayer. Some need to become a worshiper, not only on Sunday morning, but on Monday morning. I'm going to pray for everybody. <clears throat> Pamela, will we greet people at the door? Do that. Um, if you need to talk to me, write me a text or an email or call me. We'll set up an appointment about any of this. 
every head bowed. Let me, let me, let's end this way. Just, is there anybody here that feels like, yeah, I got to take care of a few things in my life. Anyone just raise your hand between me and you. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, your word is good. It's really good. Thank you, Lord, that we have the freedom. (coughs) We have the freedom to preach it, listen to it, apply it in this country. I pray, Lord, for everyone that heard this message here on live stream or will hear it later to be to be motivated to move move their lives more towards the fire of God. And the Lord, some of these vices we've been talking about will break off, that will be changed, will be, will be altered by your holiness, by your holiness and your presence. Some of these earthly things will break off of us. Lord, for some that need special help and attention, Lord, we pray for that to happen through counseling or programs or whatever. But we pray, Lord, that we would be on the road to holiness better than we were last year. And, and going in that direction year after year until you come back. So, Lord, thank you for this time. Bless those on the live stream. Bless those here. And, uh, Lord, bless the rest of our day today and our prayer time tonight on the live stream. We thank you for it all. And this we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. And amen. God bless you. Have a great day. I'll see you at the door.